everybody, how's it going? This is Hub, and welcome back to another episode of Tighten Up the Defense, a podcast that would likely benefit from a tagline. As I believe I just mentioned, I'm Hub, and I bid you a fine whenever it is that you're listening to this. Right now, it is a beautiful day out here. I'm just getting back from vacation, which was lovely. We went out to the Oregon coast, which was mostly great, except for the one place we were staying had a large and admittedly adorable, but nonetheless inconvenient in many ways, infestation of bunny rabbits. Yeah, there were a ton of coastal bunny rabbits that were all over this town, and yeah, they're cute, but... I was frightened by bunny rabbits at an early age during a traumatic event. I'll let you fill in the blanks on that. It makes it sound more dramatic than it actually was. And we had our dog with us who has very strong feelings about bunny rabbits and would like to discuss those feelings with the bunny rabbits up close and personal. And I was of the opinion that that sort of confrontation wasn't a great idea. So the trip was not without stress, but pretty good. I will say... If you run a hotel or something, maybe a big sign outside that says, Warning, bunny rabbits everywhere, wouldn't be a terrible idea. Just saying. The other thing that we got to do on the vacation, which I had not done in years, was watch actual television. And I had not seen a television commercial in years. They're weird. I remember in the before time, when I used to watch television commercials on a more regular basis... There was a convention that I always appreciated, which would be the tone break in a prescription drug ad where they've been telling you how wonderful the drug is. And then there's a shift and there's a very dead voiced technical jargonese person listing all of the potential side effects of the drug. I always liked that. But there was a commercial that I saw in which they had someone anecdotally through dialogue doing the necessary legal disclaimers about the possible side effects. And a thought occurred to me, a money-making thought. And so, if you're listening, and you run a prescription drug advertisement firm, money please. But here goes. Why not introduce a character who is specifically utterly unreliable to relay that information? That way people feel better about ignoring the potential side effects. The obvious example, I believe, would be you have a certain someone pop up and say, oh, I don't know, this drug could result in loss of life or happiness or vomiting or testicle loss or whatever. And then the main character of the ad looks over at him and says, yeah, thanks for the tip, Osama bin Laden. Huh? Huh? And then people can ignore what he said and feel good about it and take your uh, potentially harmful drug. Oh, geez. I think I've just done an evil thing. Huh. Okay, uh, well, I'm gonna blame that on Loki and possibly Dormammu. Hey, speaking of which, aren't they in a comic book we're gonna read today? Yes, they are. So, without any further ado, let's ado this. The broken fog machine produced some thin prop mist. Almost as thin as the premise for the synopsis. Rhyme. I made that one up with my brain. Thanks, brain. Defenders number 10, November 1973. Breakthrough. Written by Steve Englehart, trotted by Sal Buscema, with inks by Frank Bole. Defenders roll call. The Incredible Hulk. Namor. Doctor Strange. Valkyrie. Silver Surfer. Hawkeye. The Assembled Avengers. Thor. Captain America. Iron Man. Black Panther, Scarlet Witch, The Vision, Mantis, The Swordsman. Previously in the Avengers Defenders War, flame-headed extra-dimensional Uba Douche Dormammu had a yen to conquer the Earth. Only problem was, he had gone ahead and promised not to invade our dimension. Bummer for him. He needed to find a loophole to circumnavigate the spirit of his solemn swear. Sounds like Dormammu was in the market for a lawyer. But seeing as how the legal community of the Marvel Universe was probably occupied elsewhere with the various sexual harassment lawsuits against Hawkeye, the Fireface Fiend had to settle for the next best thing. Loki, the Norse god of lies, mischief, evil, and general fuckery. 
Loki had recently been blinded and agreed to help Dormammu out if the dictator of the Dark Dimension would hook him up with some mystical LASIK and patch up his peepers. The treacherous twosome soon hatched a scheme. Turns out that a few years ago, a device called the Evil Eye, which looked like a robo-vagina jammed onto the end of a recorder, got blown up real good. The eye shattered into six pieces, each piece looking like the aforementioned robo-vagina recorder hybrid, which was scattered around the Earth. If the device were reassembled, it could be used to expand Dormammu's Dark Dimension to the point where it would envelop Earth's dimension, which would allow the Archfiend to conquer the planet without technically violating his pinky swear. The diabolical duo decided to dupe the defenders into retrieving the pieces of the potentially prurient woodwind by falsifying an astral telegram suggesting that the evil eye could be used to restore their buddy the Black Knight, who had recently been turned into a statue. Clever plan! Or complicated nonsense I honestly can't tell anymore! The defenders split up and started seeking the six sorceress sex toy sections. Everything seemed to be going according to plan for the super bad guy buddies, but Loki started having second thoughts. What if after assimilating the Earth, Dormammu turned his attention to acquiring Asgard? Loki called dibs on conquering Asgard millennia ago! Plus, every time Loki asked his pernicious partner to perform the magic eyeball restoration he had promised to do, Dormammu claimed to be too busy strutting around like a peacock. Loki enjoyed a good peacock strut as much as the next god of evil, but enough was enough. The disillusioned deity popped into the Avengers' mansion and told the mighty heroes there that the Defenders were a bunch of supervillains who were planning on using the evil eye to take over the Earth. The Avengers might normally have been hesitant to believe the literal god of lies, but were swayed by the completely irrelevant fact that Loki was blind. Good thinking, Avengers! The Earth's mightiest, and potentially most gullible heroes, split up into six teams to try to thwart the Defenders from completing their sex toy Horcrux reassembling quest. Try being the operative word. Turns out the Avengers really needed to up their thwarting game because... Silver Surfer defeated Vision and the Scarlet Witch, and claimed a piece of the eye. Hawkeye defeated Iron Man, and claimed a piece of the eye. Doctor Strange defeated Black Panther and Mantis, and claimed a piece of the eye. Valkyrie defeated Swordsman, and claimed a piece of the eye, and Namor defeated Captain America and claimed a piece of the eye. Good gravy! That's some shitty thwarting, Avengers! Fortunately, during the last of those thwarted thwarting attempts, Namor and Captain America finally managed to have a conversation and compare notes. The Avenging Son of Atlantis eventually got Cap to acknowledge that the North God of Deception just might be a little untrustworthy. Realizing that there might be more to the evil eye component compiling quest than meets the eye, evil or otherwise, the two former foes headed back to New York together to discuss matters further with their respective teammates. Gadzooks! Is it really possible that of the 14 superheroes featured in this story, Namor is the most level-headed? Does everyone in the Marvel Universe equate blindness with lack of duplicity? And now that the floodgates of Frank and open discussion have been opened, are these two teams, or non-teams of heroes, ready to stop punching each other? Stay tuned to find out! Okay, so... Amazingly, yes, both literally and figuratively, as it turns out. Well, that would certainly explain how Daredevil maintained his secret identity for so long, and got away with posing as his own identical twin brother Mike for as long as he did. And no, of course not. Not when the Hulk and Thor have anything to say about the matter. Hooray! Okay, so if you're done mashing the 15 second back button to figure out which question related to which answer... The Incredible Hulk is stomping and leaping his way to Los Angeles to retrieve the final component of the mystical sex toy that the Defenders believe they need to destatuify the Anglophile Avenger, the Black Knight. Steve Strange is using his sorcery to shout directions into the Hulk's brain, like a condescending magical Google Maps, so the Jade Giant locates the mystical MacGuffin pretty quickly. He digs through the concrete that is covering it, and snatches the Georgia O'Keeffe-inspired device. The triumphant Hulk is about to leap back to New York when he is interrupted by a booming voice from above telling him to hold on a minute. Who would dare be so bold as to give the Hulk orders? You know, besides Doctor Strange. Well, I'll give you a hint. He's a big, blonde, anachronistic Avenger with wings on his head. No, not that one. Think bigger, blonder, more anachronistic, and with bigger wings on his head. That's right, it's the mighty Thor. Thor tries to appeal to the Green Goliath as a former Avenger, and says that the Hulk should hand the sex toy Horcrux over, and then go away. Yeah, that suggestion goes over about as well as you might imagine it would. The Hulk backhands the shit out of the demanding deity. Well, turns out Thor isn't that crazy about getting smacked. He starts yelling at the Hulk that they tussled once before, and it ended in a tie, so that proves that Thor is stronger. Huh, and I thought Hulk was supposed to be the dumb one. Hulk counters that, no, no, no. Actually, Hulk is the strongest, and in addition to that, Hulk Smash. Hmm, 
They both raise very good points. The two heroes start punching the shit out of each other, and it is fucking awesome. A huge crowd gathers around the two and starts betting on who will win. Uh, guys, I get that it's exciting and all, but neither one of these guys is especially well known for minimizing collateral damage, so you might want to watch this one from a safe distance. Although, given the power levels involved, the minimum distance that would be safe is probably the moon, and Owatu puts out really crappy snack trays, so never mind. The Hulk spins Thor around like a top, Thor hits the Hulk with his hammer, and they both yell that they're the strongest. Eventually, they end up doing that wrestling thing where they lock hands with their arms high above their heads in a test of strength. Yeah, that ends up lasting about an hour. Literally an hour. Which, well impressive a testament to how evenly matched they are, must have been incredibly boring for the spectators to watch. The onlookers are spared from watching a second hour of immobile combat when a familiar arrogant condescending voice commands that the two colossal combatants knock it off and start making nice with each other. The Hulk and Thor turn to look at the speaker and are shocked. Not that Steve Strange is trying to boss them around, that's pretty much par for the course, but that the entitled enchanter is flanked by the combined forces of both the Defenders and the Avengers, all of whom are united in the opinion that Hulk and Thor should knock it off. So, Hulk and Thor knock it off. Hooray! But also, what gives? Well, what gives is that after Cap and Namor had their little chat, Namor brought the rest of the Avengers over to Steve's Sanctum Sanctorum, and the two teams talked things over a little more. Pretty much everyone acknowledged that they had been acting like a bunch of assholes, and they said they were sorry. Well, everyone except Hawkeye, who insisted that nothing was his fault, and wanted to go right on acting like an asshole. Damn it, Hawkeye! Everyone yells at Hawkeye for a minute, until they all remember that Thor and the Hulk were still fighting each other, and probably destroying large sections of Los Angeles. Oops. Steve teleported everyone west to the City of Angels, and that pretty much brings us up to speed. When Thor is informed that, impaired vision notwithstanding, Loki was probably lying to them, he gets super pissed, then mentions, apropos of nothing, that the last time he saw his good-for-nothing brother, it was in Rutland, Vermont. Rutland, Vermont, eh? Isn't that where the Defenders last fought Dormammu's minions? Yes. Yes, it is. And just like that, the two groups of assorted heroes have managed to work out the identity of the scoundrels responsible for their manufactured animosity. Hooray! Now that the heroes have finally figured out that two of their deadliest foes have conspired to pit them against one another, and that one of those foes, who happens to be one of the greatest supernatural threats to reality itself, wants to trick them into assembling the component parts of the evil eye, Doctor Strange decides to assemble the component parts of the evil eye. Damn it, Steve! The self-satisfied sorcerer lays out the six sex toy segments end-to-end -end and is contemplating jamming them into one another, when suddenly, a disembodied mask appears out of nowhere and starts gobbling up the magic sex toys. Well, I think we all saw that one coming. Turns out, the disembodied robo-vagina-guzzling mask is none other than... Asti! The Thin Man's Dog? No, that's Asta. Asti is Asti the Unseeing, a minion of Dormammu, which means that the evil eye now belongs to Dormammu, which means that the Avengers and Defenders are fucked. Sure enough, the landscape starts twisting and melting, the Los Angelinos around them start turning into weird monsters, and a familiar-looking, giant, flaming ski mask of a head appears in the sky. Dormammu is here and in less than one hour his dimension will complete its merger with ours, and the Earth will be his. And Asti the Flying Mask will no doubt gobble up all of our sex toys. Nom 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 nom. To be continued. Man, I kind of feel bad for throwing shade at Uatu's party hosting skills. He probably puts out some decent hors d'oeuvres. Although he does look like a giant baby, so maybe it's just giant jars of baby food? Gross. Unless you're a baby. Or a Robocop. Ooh, I wonder if Robocop and Watu are friends. I like to think so. And joining us once again is my good-for-many-things brother, Corey. Corey, how's it going? It's going good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. You ready for this? We're recording kind of back-to-back -back episodes, which we don't normally do. I think I'm good. I think you're good, too. Thanks. What'd you think of this issue? Oh, man. What a romp. Man. Frothy? Frothy as can be. Yay! <laughs> I still don't like that metaphor. I know, I know. It's... This comic book was so rad. So we have now, within the past month, read two comic books which said on the cover, A Clash of the Titans. Yep. 
One was my least favorite. One was maybe my favorite. This issue is so much fun. It is so much fun. We get to see Hulk do his thing. Just smash. And we get to see Thor do his thing, which Mm -hmm. is also smash, but be more of a dick about it, Mm -hmm. which I loved. Just while we're talking about Thor, I do want to really quickly offer a plug for a new podcast that is coming out that I'm very excited to listen to. Miles Stokes of Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men has a new Thor podcast coming out that's about the Walt Simonson Thor stuff. So if you would like to learn more about Thor, then A, consult your local library, and B, keep your eyes and ears peeled for... Thor, The Lightning and the Storm, podcast coming from Miles Stokes and Elizabeth Alley, which I'm really stoked to listen to. So, yeah. In the meantime, let's see if we can give you some, uh, what is it that the heroin people like when they can't get heroin? Methadone. Let's give you some methadone to maybe ease you through on that Thor fix. Let's. Wait, let's what? <laughs> Talk about, uh, Thor. Okay. This was so rad. The majority of this issue is taken up with a dope-ass street fight between Thor and the Hulk. And I love that Thor's stance is, We fought once before, and it was a tie, which proves that I'm the strongest. And uh, Hulk was having none of that. No, Hulk is having none of anything. He is taking no guff in this issue. He is tired of guff. He has had enough of it. No more guff for the Hulk. Up to a point, which we'll talk about later. Okay, he, he takes a little bit of Doctor Strange's guff, briefly, but he makes it clear that that is his last guff for quite some time. No more guff. None. Taken. My I, favorite part in that fight, sorry. No, no, go ahead. when the Hulk grabs the Thor's cape <laughs> and corkscrews him down into the earth through the sidewalk. That, that was, was so much fun. Conversely, when he is so utterly befuddled and dismayed that uh, Thor was able to climb back up out of the ground. He's just like, that's impossible. How did this? But Thor's not. And then Thor finishes his sentence, as strong as you know I'm stronger. Mm -hmm. Which I proved by having a complete tie with you last time. I love this matchup. I love, I would watch a Thor the Hulk buddy cop movie, which is what I'm hoping Thor Ragnarok is. I've seen some previews for that. That actually looks really cool. Oh, I haven't seen any. There's so many, like, straight-up Kirby slash Walt Simonson-looking images from the trailer. We get to see uh, Hela, which is dope. Or Hell. I know in the Norse myths, her name is just Hell. Um, But either way, Hell looks hella dope. Yeah, and the Executioner's in it. Oh. Uh, it, It looks so cool. But we also get to see Hulk and Thor mixing it up, which I'm excited to see more of based on this, because I really enjoy their dynamic. And yeah, they just have a really big, fun fight. It does take a turn for the the dark, so to speak, when Thor basically realizes, like, Hulk has lost what, you know, a little shred of, I don't know, common sense is the right word or whatever. Yeah, you throw a giant warhammer at a dude. Turns out he gets irked. Yeah, but then he's just basically like, oh shit, we're just gonna have to kill each other, and, and that's that. Which Thor doesn't have any particular problems with. No. He's no, like, all right, cool. cool. We'll fight to the death. Which, they don't. And it was also weird, though, because the audience at that point, like, some of them were like, oh, God, this is horrible. Well, let's just swatch and see what happens. <laughs> A lot of people. I really enjoyed that. There was... I wish I could remember who the writer was because I'm doing a horrible shorthand version of it. But there was a a writer who talked about why boxing was the most popular sport in the world at the time. And he's like, if you heard that two people down the hall in the office were about to go play football against each other or play some one-on-one basketball, you'd be like, eh, okay. But if you heard that they were beating each other up, you would run and see. Maybe you would try to intervene, but also you wouldn't want to miss out on that. That's true. That does really hit on something in human nature. Yeah. I wonder. It turns out that next to geese, we're the worst. Wait, do geese like to watch each other fight? I'm almost certain that they do. Why don't people fight geese? I don't know. I've been down for fighting geese for a long time. You know that. Yeah, I don't like the whole chicken fighting thing. Cock fighting. Oh, you mean make geese fight each other? Yeah. Oh, I don't want to do that. That's barbaric. I just want to fight some geese. What kind of armor would you wear? Well, you need a goose-proof suit. We do. We have talked about, it is a dream of mine to make a goose-proof suit. <laughs> kind of like, there was a movie called Project Grizzly where a guy tried to make a grizzly bear-proof suit, which that movie is amazing. You guys should watch that. It's great. The guy is totally unhinged and decides at one point that the suit needs to be fireproof because I guess 
He thinks Barris will use fire on him, and he makes it bulletproof. There, he goes through a lot of unnecessary steps to make an overly elaborate bearproof suit that does, in fact, prove to be his undoing. You should watch the movie. I really don't want to spoil that reveal if you haven't seen it. But it would be so much easier to make a goose-proof suit. You just need some, like, chicken wire and some padding. And then we could just go to the park and bother geese. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, we could go to Laurelhurst. Yeah. Where they have the, the fancy swan ones that are like, oh, I'm so pretty. And then they, they just attack st- you. Still do that. Yeah. They have some, uh, yeah, so goose-proof suits. We can just go and yell at them. I Tromp like it. around. Yep. Prove that we can be as terrible as geese are. Yep. Humanity's number one. I'm down. Humanity's number one. Yep. Um, what are we talking about? <laughs> what were we talking about? <laughs> Let's see. People gathering around and watching ah. the Hulk and Thor fight each other. Yep. It seemed like a pretty small percentage of people. There was a cop that you see use the old police phone that's taped to a telephone pole, mm-hmm. like you see in the old Top Cat cartoons. Mm-hmm. And he calls in for backup, which seems... Double backup. I believe. Yeah, double backup. You can fucking quadruple that backup. It's not going to make a ton of difference. We have seen how effective police are against the Hulk. What you should be doing is clearing the area of civilians. Yep. Which he doesn't do because he's an idiot. They need to be like that cop in the other issue who's just like, let's just let him do his thing. Yep. <laughs> Stay he's, out of the way. he's definitely got right away. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's the way that you should deal with the Hulk. You'd be like trying to arrest a tornado. Hard to do. Yeah. At best. Also, don't put a saddle on a tornado. That's what I like to tell people when they try to tell me what to do. Good to know. Yeah. That's a fun thing to say. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me what to do. Try putting a saddle on a tornado. What um, kind of response generally do you get? Just a lot of sighs, really. That's like, <sighs> okay, Hub. Mm-hmm. Seems appropriate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> but... Mostly people seem to be gathering around and picking sides and watching excitedly. I have to believe that excitement wears off after a while. Because the vast majority of their fight, not in the comic book in terms of panel space that is taken up, but as it is described, most of their fight is them locked in combat, completely unmoving because they are so evenly matched. And I gotta believe that it says that they literally do that for an hour without either one of them moving even slightly. Yep. I bet people got bored at that point. I bet they did, too. I also think that maybe, just maybe, after the first, like, five minutes or so of that, maybe the Hulk and Thor started faking it. Like, maybe they're just tired, and, like, they do, like, a pro wrestling, like, all right, I'm really fucking beat. Do you just want to stand here for a while? We've got a lot of people around us. It seems like we're pretty evenly matched. I'll go down to 10%. If you go down to 10%, maybe we can just rest. We'll decide later we can finish this off. Yeah, yeah, smash later. But then Doctor Strange and the Avengers and Defenders show up and they're like, Hey guys, we made a whoopsie. No need for violence. We probably should have told you this a half hour ago when we figured it out, but we were having a little party. (laughs) (laughs) That is funny because all of a sudden they're just like, Wait a minute, our two strongest dudes. (laughs) Yeah. Whoops. It interrupts them having a, I guess, half-hour party, they were saying. And not just their two strongest dudes, but their two, I think at this point, least responsible dudes. But it's framed like, they're so powerful, they'll be fine. Well, Captain America says like, well, we figured Thor would be able to take care of himself. But if you've got the Hulk on him, oh shit. You know what, guys? You got a rundown of the team roster of the Defenders. I know maybe you're not the brightest, all of you. But I think you can probably count to six real good mm-hmm. and maybe use some process of elimination. Well, there's five of you here. Wait a minute. Didn't you have a giant green dude that Loki told us about? Mm-hmm. They did a bad job there because, first of all, sending the Hulk off unsupervised on a mission in the most populous city that any of them are going to, maybe not the wisest move. Well, so that's an interesting wrinkle in this as well, is that he was unsupervised, but he was guided mentally or spiritually or both by Doctor Strange's, you know, spell. I think that was just like Doctor Strange was popping some like magic Google maps into his brain. You don't think he was also just like, go get the thing, bring it back, don't fuck with anybody. No, man, I think it was just, he was just, you have arrived at your robo-vagina. Dig a hole. Right now. 
dig a hole three feet deep. <laughs> With your bare hands, what a fucking badass. Ah, he's so great. Just to be able to grab the sidewalk and toss it away like that. I love the Hulk, and the Hulk looks great in this issue, too. You can really see he's, like, lost his shit when Thor pisses him off so yep. bad. <laughs> yep. He just wants to smash. Yeah, I love the way Sal Buscema draws the Hulk. It's great, and Thor's great, and it's a really fun fight scene. Can't say enough nice things about it. We also, in the last episode, I said that it seemed like Marv Wolfman was having some fun writing that issue. Yeah. In this issue... Steve Englehart is having so much goddamn fun writing this, and it really comes through. He was flexing his writing muscles as well. Yes, he was. He, he's got his writing lats, his writing trape- traps. Rat, raps and, er, lats, lats and, and traps. traps. Man, just fucking dude is shredded like lettuce. Yeah. Writing-wise. And introduces one of my favorite things, which is you've got an omniscient narrator who's doing all the captions, mm-hmm. as always. But he also introduces himself as a unreliable omniscient narrator mm. because there's a point where he says like, and we hardly ever lie. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's fun. I like it when the captions wink at me. Mm-hmm. That's a good time. There was the one that I, I don't know how I feel about it. And it was, it resulted actually, I believe in the, your copy of the comic being oh. taken apart by previous owner where it's like the the hour-long struggle slash rest period that, uh-huh. that Hulk and Thor had. There's a thing at the bottom that says, like, hey, this would make a great pinup, but, you know, buy another copy before you cut this one out of the issue. Is that a common thing in these? I don't I, think I don't it was. I that before. I think that was, like, meant as a joke, but clearly I ended up with a copy of this comic book that was missing four pages because of that. Fortunately, I was able to read the other pages because I bought you a copy of the Avengers Defenders War hardcover reprint. So I was able to see that, and it's an awesome pinup. But yeah, it's somebody definitely took their advice and uh, clipped that. I'm actually going to take a look in that and see if that is... I wonder if they took that out because they don't want people to mess up their (laughs) hardcover. I don't think they care. I think they want people to buy more than one copy of the hardcover, too. Probably so. Special note from Stephen Sal. Of course, you can use this page for a pinup, but since you'll want to save this story, maybe you should buy a second copy to cut up. No hard sell, Tiger. Just a friendly tip. I think that's fun. It doesn't bother me. So, as an adult now, comics seem kind of expensive, so, like, I wouldn't want to buy them and cut them up. As a kid, I don't really remember thinking they were that expensive. They were not when we were kids. Okay. The cover price on this comic book is 20 cents. And, yeah, 20 cents went a lot further back then, but the cover price of a new comic book, just regular comic, is around five bucks now. Mm -hmm. That is well beyond the rate of inflation, which is something that's come up recently where Marvel has been blaming the fact that people aren't buying its new comics on the fact that they have introduced more diverse heroes uh, Mm -hmm. and that people don't want to buy diversity, which is a thing that they said in the 70s, too. Yeah, maybe $5 cover price has something to do with the fact that people aren't buying comic books, too. And yeah. also maybe the fact that you're terrible at fucking marketing. Man, Not you, Corey. I, you're, I take a I mean, at that. I'm terrible at marketing. Hey, Marvel's probably much better at marketing than I am. But... Well, I don't know. They should give us a shot. Yeah, why not, man? If you're listening, Marvel. Yeah, we'll bring back the Boodle Bandit. He can advertise for you and hostess. Yep. Boodle boo. <laughs> That's his... Trademark. Yeah. Irish coffee. When all of the Defenders and Avengers are having their little cocktail party at Doctor Strange's house, Mm -hmm. there's a fun scene where Doctor Strange is like, my mystical senses tell me that Namor's right outside. I'll open the door and let him in. And then he's super surprised that all of the Avengers are there too. That's some pretty specific mystical senses you got there, Steve. Guess he just had a Namor detector and not a everybody else one. Hmm, I guess that's a possibility. You know what else Steve has besides a very specific mystical bell around Namor's neck? Hmm. A weird-ass looking lizard sitting on his desk. Yeah, what was that about? Beats the fuck out of me, but I like it. He's also got a framed photo of a strange, like, demon reptile looking thing. Maybe it's a framed picture of that lizard and that's his pet lizard who he loves very much so what do you think he's just got pictures of it around um scaly sir swishy tail 
Oh, Sir Swishy Tail, you're incorrigible. More little pets under your scales. You like that, don't you? Hmm. Of course you do, because I said so. Now go fetch my paper. <laughs> and no eating the neighbor's cat this time. <laughs> oh, Sir Swishy Tail. Times <laughs> we have. But yeah, it's a dope-looking lizard. I like that he has a framed picture of the lizard, too. <laughs> he must love it very much. Like Very his much. Namor also is, like, ridiculously reasonable for Namor in this issue. Clearly, him and Cap worked some things out. But he's also pulls a move that I was very surprised to hear from Namor. He's describing the conflict between him and Captain America and the fact that they compared notes and pretty much figured everything out. And he says... Cap and I were forced into a truce and forced to talk. What we discovered, frankly, scared me. What? Mm, that does seem slightly out of It character. doesn't surprise me that Namor was scared. It surprises me that he admits to his fear unprompted. Mm -hmm. That does not seem very Namor-like. Here's why I said I think he seems more reasonable. When they're having their little Avengers Defenders cocktail party... Everybody breaks off into different groups that were the groups that fought each other, mm -hmm. with the exception of Cap and Namor, who seem to be going around the party being like, now you guys play nice with each other. Uh, now I know you guys just fought each other, but be nice. Mm -hmm. And it really seems like that's the role that they're playing within the group, because they are the only two that are not paired off in individual discussions with their opponents from the previous issues. That's true. I think that... Well, it seems slightly out of character, he is very much enjoying being right. Okay, I can see that, and that actually does make sense. Good call. I figured this out for all of you buffoons. <laughs> because Namor is the most diplomatic of all. Imperious Rex! <laughs> modest? None could ever be more modest than the true Submariner! <laughs> you do a pretty good, uh, pretty good Namor. Thank you. For our stage production of The Defenders, you can be Dr. Strange, I'll be Namor. Oh, man. And we can take turns playing the Boodle Bandit. Oh, <laughs> they have fruit pies. Boodle, boodle, boodle. So the way that they figure out Dormammu's involvement in this is the last time any of them encountered Loki in a non-duping them into fighting the Defenders context was in Rutland, Vermont. Aha, Rutland. Rutland keeps coming back. Mm-hmm. Ah. It's a bewitching place. Ah. Not only bewitching for the beautiful scenery, but you're gonna love the annual superhero parade and the occasional invasions by evil witches and the dread Dormammu. Dormammu's invasions may make for a somewhat dicey Halloween parade, but they also make for beautiful sunsets. Stay for the parade. Enjoy the syrup. Rutland for what? For all... Your vacation needs. Ta -da -da. You know what? We are great at marketing. Yep. <laughs> but they all figure out Dormammu's involved, which, good for them. Yep. And the Avengers are a little bit shamed about being like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have listened to the literal god of lies on this one. But he was blind. And they do keep coming back to that, <laughs> though. It's like, he couldn't have done this on his own. He's blind. He's also a fucking Norse god. And, yeah, okay, it turns out Dormammu was involved, too. Loki totally could have done this on his own. Yep. The whole part where he tricks the Avengers into fighting the Defenders was just Loki, without Dormammu's aid, and without Dormammu's knowledge or consent. It was nice to see Loki get a little bit of... I guess it's not quite comeuppance. I mean, he's figured it out now that Dormammu's not going to give him his sight back, <laughs> but I do like that he had to squirm for a while. Yeah, that was pretty fun. I know you haven't listened to it yet, but it did lead to me writing maybe my favorite sentence for a synopsis that I ever have, which was, I'm going to see if I can recall it off the top of my head. Loki had, ironically, been blinded to the scope of Dormammu's blind ambition by his own ambition to not be blind. Ah. It was fun. That's clever. It's that nice version of more clever than it is funny that I like about Arrested Development. Oh, I love it's that It's soothing. Show. I love that show, too. And it is very funny, too, but it is definitely... There are times where it favors clever over funny. I don't know. I kind of appreciate... I just expect everybody to like that the same way that I do. And for the most part, most people, people do. do. Most people do. But not everybody. But after they have their individual discussion groups, in which, to no one's surprise, everybody's pretty cool about shit except for Hawkeye. God damn it, Hawkeye. 
not a surprise. What's weird to me about that scene, and maybe this was just a convention in, I don't know, economy of drawing complicated panels or something, but half the people at least have one arm tucked behind their back in that scene. And it made me think, like, what's up with that? What if somebody's being like, oh, yeah, I totally forgive you, but was, like, crossing their fingers behind their back? or <laughs> I don't know. I just couldn't figure it out. Yeah, man, everybody really does. Except for Doctor Strange, who has his hands on the table. But yeah, I think that probably is an economy of drawing type issue. But maybe it's a sign of courtesy. Mm. Like, it's like a superhero convention that I will keep one arm tucked behind my back so that I'm not ready for combat. I mean, now, granted, they could also be having ray guns back there, mm. which would be the downside of that. But I like to think that maybe it's like a, a common courtesy, politeness thing. Gathering superheroes. You always keep one hand tucked behind your back so that you... Appear less threatening? Appear less threatening, yes. I think Hawkeye is totally crossing his fingers. He probably is. Although, I mean, I don't know what he would be saying that he would cross his fingers about. That's because true. He has no fear. He is on the surface. I, I really like the description of how different people react to finding out that they were wrong about shit. I think it plays out the way that it really would, which is coming down. Apologies. And it's Silver Surfer, the Vision, and Scarlet Witch all apologizing to each other. And Captain America being like, yeah, yeah, we were all wrong. We all got fooled. It's cool. Rationalizations, which is Hawkeye. Yeah, well, after I cut out on the Avengers and you guys started hassling me, either on purpose or not, what was I supposed to think? Heck, I was just getting into digging you as baddies. And recriminations, which is the swordsman who I keep liking more and more. I did appreciate this bit. I suppose I shouldn't antagonize a hothead like you while I'm so bandaged up under this tunic. But Clint, you're just as dumb as ever. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, way to go, swordsman. It didn't bug me at all. No, me either. And Hawkeye's response is, look who's talking, the spare tire Avenger. Which, zing. Yeah, but at first I thought he was body shaming. <laughs> and then I was like, oh no, he's saying you're extra. They keep you around just in case. Which also is kind of dissing himself because he says, you just took my slot. Mm -hmm. So were you the spare tire Avenger, Hawkeye? Mm -hmm. Huh? It doesn't feel so good, does it, Hawkeye? He's not the cleverest. No, he's the least clever. Boo! Speaking of not being clever, at that point, they all realize that they have left Thor <laughs> and the Hulk fighting each other in the streets of Los Angeles. And here's a part where I, I said how much fun I thought they were having with the writing. Mm -hmm. The Marvel method of comic book development is different than some others. And it also varies from creator to creator. But I think at this point, the main thing was the writer would sit down with the artist, discuss what the general plot was going to be. The artist would do the full layout and then leave the word bubbles for the writer to fill in. Man, that sounds fraught. Well, it works out if you have writer if you have artists that can handle it. And it really does mean that the artist does a fair amount of what you would consider the writing. Mm -hmm. The reason I say I think this is the method that they were doing here, and that was definitely the Stanley Jack Kirby method and the Stanley Steve Ditko method, which is why there's a big debate about Stanley getting a little bit too much credit for mm. those as opposed to his co-creators. And really, those guys need to be listed as co-creators. Mm -hmm. But the reason I say I think that's what's happening in this issue as well, because I'm not familiar with the specific creator dynamic between Sal Buscema and Steve Englehart, is the scene where they all rush outside. I think it was Steve Englehart having to do some quick thinking to like, Wait, why are they rushing outside? Why isn't Doctor Strange just teleporting them there? They're not going to run to Los Angeles. They're not going to fly to Los Angeles in a Quinjet. So as they are rushing outside, Doctor Strange says, Outside, where I will make use of the sunlight to weave a special spell. I shall transport us all to Los Angeles. Ah, very good. Like, that doesn't seem to be what's happening in the panel. It's just they're all going to run outside. And then he's like, wait, why are they all running outside? They're not going to walk to L.A. That would get excited, and Doctor Strange didn't want to be like, hey guys, wait, no. I... Yeah, um, maybe I could teleport us there. Yeah. Otherwise, they'll be locked in a statue-like form for six hours? Yeah. <laughs> Minimum? So, yeah, he was just like, yeah, I meant to have everybody run outside. Yeah, hmm. but I, I think that's an example of the writer trying to almost solve the puzzle of the layout of the panels. And I thought that was fun. I think that makes it fun. Yeah, very good. But I do like the idea that he's got a special sunlight spell. 
Like, yeah. I didn't know any of his, uh, his powers were solar-powered. Solar-powered power. Hmm. I don't like anybody in this comic book having anything in common with... I don't even remember his real name because I just kept calling him Fuckface Von Douchelord. Hyperion. Oh, yeah, he liked the sun. Yeah, he was solar-powered, too. Yeah, he was bad. Yeah, fuck that guy. Fuck that Clash of the Titans. This is the Clash of the Titans I want. It also does just come out and say that the Hulk and Thor are the two strongest people in the Marvel Universe and the only real two Titans. Yep. And I liked that. It was nice. It was. I want to talk about Asti a little bit, too. I was just going to bring that up. (laughs) What the fuck, man? Asti cracked me the fuck up. That's a dumb-looking mask. I thought it was pretty dope. It's Asti the All-Seeing. It is apparently one of Dormammu's minions, and it just pops up out of nowhere and starts gobbling up sex toys. That's exactly what I was going to (laughs) say, word for word. Literally, (laughs) it uses the word gobbling, and it's so funny to watch it, because also Doctor Strange just has all of the evil eyes lined up in a row, and Bob Brown and Sal Buscema have different approaches to drawing the evil eye. Mm -hmm. Both make them look like robo genitals Mm -hmm. but whereas bob brown definitely has more of a robo vagina look to them jammed onto the end of a recorder as we talked about before yep there's still that aspect to them when sal buscema draws them and in fact there is the panel right before asty shows up and starts gobbling up all the robo cocks (laughs) where Doctor Strange and the Silver Surfer are each holding a fragment of the evil eye, and they're each kind of holding it over their crotch. <laughs> and it looks really funny. Like, they're just like, well, maybe we could... This this might be... No? <laughs> just something to think about. <laughs> Don't yuck my yum! Yeah. That's what Doctor Strange is saying. I... <laughs> they're each holding an artificial vagina over their own crotch. And it's pretty funny looking. But what I was getting at before, and I think I even maybe just came out and said, is Sal Buscema draws the other end of the evil eye fragment, at least in a couple of these panels, as looking like little dicks. Yeah, he does. And so when Asta is going around gobbling up little robo dicks, (laughs) it's pretty funny. What's also pretty funny to me is when they realize that this is happening, the captioning says, The bizarre mask never falters as it skims the ground and then hurtles back into the blue. Doctor Strange says, That's Asti, the all-seeing, a servant of Dormammu. I love the... I think Asti is an adorable name. I love the phrase, That's Asti. And I think that maybe in Dormammu's dimension, Asti is the star of a sitcom called, That's Asti! (laughs) What happened to my fresh-baked robo-dicks? Oh. Asty. Yep. That's Asty. I do not like that thing. I do like that thing. I like Asty. Okay. Asty is an adorable cock-gobbling scamp. (laughs) (laughs) I think it looks dumb. Well, it would appear we have a difference of opinion. (laughs) (laughs) We'll agree that we're right. Okay. Was there anything you wanted to talk about? <laughs> the mouth of the monster on page 32 after Dormammu has turned everybody into monsters. Yes. It looks like a butt. Like a like a sphincter. Alright. Let's take a look. Oh shit. <laughs> Isn't that horrifying? That is oh god. Dormammu's got some weird creatures, and one of them is a uh, Globulus from the G.I. Joe cartoon movie, mm-hmm. but with a butthole for a mouth. Yep. Wow. Unfortunate. It's an interesting choice. That's Dorm- all. Duly noted and well noted. I have a similar uh, tiny thing that I wanted to point out that cracked me up, which is when the Black Panther is very surprised, he says, Great T'Chaka! That struck me as odd. Do you know what T'Chaka is? No. His dad? Yeah. Yeah. It's his dad. That's a weird thing to say. Like, it would be like if you were surprised and you just went like, Sweet Jim! Or, uh... Or if I went like, Holy Bruce! <laughs> what was the other weird... There was a weird parental turn of, like, Father's by Beard! My, no, that was... my By my father's beard, I would have been fine with. Silver Surfer has, has said on two separate occasions in this comic book, By my father's head! That's just thing. weird. Yeah. Mm. 
But, I mean, Black Panther doesn't want better by just saying, by my whole dad. Yep. I think that is actually a better expression. Hmm. By my whole dad! <laughs> the whole, the whole, whole dad. Thing. Wow. Okay. Not just his head. Fuck you, Silver Surfer. <laughs> Whoa. That's some one-upsmanship. Yeah. Well, you ready to get into the minutia? Let's. Hit it, Rick. Yes, hit it. We got minutia. It's not the biggest part, it's just minutia. Like Corey eating farts, we got minutia. Time to sweat the small stuff. Thanks so much, Rick. That was beautiful as always. And I would like to also extend a special congratulations to Rick, who is getting married very soon. Congrats. Way to go, Rick. Nice work. You're both very lucky people. Indeed. Huzzah! Enjoy. Enjoy. By my whole dad. (laughs) That's not a good... What? It just sounds weird. Yeah, it does sound (laughs) kind of weird. All right, well, have fun, you crazy kids. Great. So, Tachaka. Is that his name? Yeah, Tachaka. Okay. Yeah, great Tachaka. There we go. Not my yeah. dad, I can say that. Yeah, I guess. Anyway, uh, what do you feel like touching on first? Let's talk about the art. Okay, so... Panels. All right. What was your favorite panel? I had a, a bit of a toss-up, but I think for me the winner is what I call the big talk. And it's when they're all in the room with half of them with arms folded behind their back. I liked that also. That was really fun and it had kind of an epic feeling to it. I think you see more of that now, but crossovers back then were pretty rare. So seeing all of the different heroes together mingling, it got me pretty excited. I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I was a little bit surprised. They're in Steve's Sanctorum at this point. I kind of expected that Wong would be like out there like handing out hors d'oeuvres or something. Serving tea. Yeah. Maybe apologizing for, or maybe just threatening to beat up all of the Avengers again. Maybe that is why he decided to stay in the other room. It's like, I'm still mad at them, and I might just beat them all up again. I just don't care to serve them today. Yes. Good for you, Wong. Yep. Having a nice day off. Yeah, big ups. We are very close on Patreon to getting to our next goal, which we'll make in the... <laughs> in the I, I haven't actually even written it out on the page as the goal, which I'm going to change it and edit the page. Mm. We will bring back the segment, What's Aqualad Probably Up To? I am going to propose, and I'm going to set another stretch goal, that if we reach the next one after that, we will also come up with, what's Wong doing? That I can get behind. Yeah, so for Defenders issues, if we if, if we get more donations, then we will do, what's Wong doing? And I'll come up with a better name for it than that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll bring back for the Titans issues, what's Aqualad probably up to? Oh, that adds to the research time. It does add to the research time, which is currently at zero. (laughs) It adds research time. (laughs) Yes. For me. Yeah. Like a whole extra ten minutes, maybe. I know. Because I got to get the dates right. I know. I know. But you know what? I I think you can do it. Oh, thanks, buddy. I got faith in you. Yeah, that that was a great panel. I'm very tempted to go with the pin-up panel, but that feels like... That was my backup. It feels like cheating. That's awesome. It is so cool looking, you can though. Cheat. I I guess I can. I also was just really amused by the panel in which it looks like the Silver Surfer and Doctor Strange are holding the evil eye over their crotches. And that was really close for me. But I think I'm going to go with the panel where the Hulk and Thor are locked in combat and are just crazy sweaty. <laughs> Sal Buscema has a couple of drawing quirks. One of them is instant flop sweat for characters Mm -hmm. and one of the other ones is stalagmites and stalactites of spittle connecting people's mouths when their mouths are open yep both of those are in full effect in this comic book but the flop sweat that is from the thor and hulk fight it actually makes sense in this context because it is when we have within the captioning scene that a minute has turned into 10 minutes has turned into half an hour has turned into an hour and they are it's got to be incredibly strenuous if they aren't faking it which i still think they are faking it for the benefit of the people watching it has to be incredibly strenuous to to maintain that level of like peak exertion for that long so having them both be drenched in sweat and inches away from each other it makes sense and it also is just a really cool looking panel it is I was annoyed that they were like that for an hour because it really seems like 
I don't know about Hulk, but Thor would have ostensibly learned some wrestling at some point in his martial training. Yeah. Have you watched that DVD about Viking sword fighting? I have watched some things about Viking sword fighting. I don't think I've watched the same. I have a DVD that is an old dude who thinks he is a Viking that is uh, (laughs) delivering training on how to fight like a Viking. And it's crazy and really bad and we should watch it soon. Oh, that sounds good. Anyway. Yeah. Good panels. Yeah, real good panels. Yeah, so you would think that Thor would have some kind of more Norse god training and would try to do something different. Something he wouldn't just stand there for an hour. Okay, here's why I think he might. Hmm. It is incredibly important for both of them to think of themselves as being the strongest being in the universe. And they both have a pretty good argument for it. If he uses some kind of a slip or a different hold, then it's not a true test of strength. I think at that point, his stubbornness kicks in. And so while he does have some martial training, stubbornness is a trait that Thor and the Hulk have in spades. And I think it does make sense that they would just be like, no, I need to win. I need to know that I am the mightiest. Mm, I guess. Sorry. It's just dumb, because, like, if he really... No, it's dumb. If he really wants to win, he'll just, you know, yeah, slip and shoot a double leg or something, and, you know, big slam, monster slam. I don't know what the words you just said are. Are those skateboard tricks? Ah, he'll just wrestle them real good. Oh, okay. Got it. Double leg? Double leg. Oh, double leg. Oh. (laughs) No, double egg. That would be a... I thought maybe that was like what it called when you like put your hands together and did like the, the <laughs> Captain Kirk judo chop. Uh, nope. Okay. I don't know what that's called though. Let's call that a double leg. Okay. That's I'm going to call it a double people. leg from now on. So, sound effects. Mmm. There were some good ones. Nothing like amazing in this one. And also not a chud for a change. No chuds. What? Which one was your favorite? My favorite was the resounding clow. Clow was good. Clow was on the same page as Choom and Tadam. I also had Tadam. Tadam was good. Choom was good. Clow was good. I'm going to go with the Kadow, mm. uh, which is of the initial clash between the Hulk and Thor. It's a really epic looking Kadow, and it's hyphenated, which I appreciated. I don't think it's necessarily, honestly, better than Choom, Tadam, or Clow. But the fact that it was on a different page than Choom, Tadam, and Clow, Choom, Tadam, and Clow split the vote. So, mm. Kadao comes in as an outsider mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, swept the election. For you. Yeah. <laughs> a clean sweep of my one vote. You want to do words? How about words? What were your favorite words? I had a toss-up between some of of the nice prose that you mentioned earlier that was in one of the exposition boxes, and then also just Hulk being Hulk. I had a similar conundrum. I couldn't even narrow down the captioning to a single thing. I liked the unreliable narrator thing that I talked about before, but all of the description of Hulk arriving in Los Angeles at the beginning of it and just kind of following Hulk around was really cool, was really character building for the Hulk, and also was a lot of fun. I liked all of that, but I decided to go with Thor tries to appeal to the Hulk as having been a former Avenger. And he's like, we were founding members of the Avengers, listen to me. And the Hulk just kind of backhands Thor and says, yes, Hulk was an Avenger once, didn't like it. I love it when he says that. That's like one of his catchphrases. Ah, so good. Didn't like it. Yeah, I was an Avenger once. Didn't like it. Pow! Real fun. What was yours? Similar kind of dialogue between the two of them. Thor's being a dick and saying, yeah, we tied, so I am better than you. Yeah. I beat you. Hulk says, Hulk beats everybody. Anybody who says different is crazy. (laughs) I liked that a lot, too. That was fun. Yeah, man, that that whole fight was great. It really, the, the characterization I thought of both Thor and Hulk made a ton of sense, and it was really epic and fun feeling. Huzzah. Huzzah. Sartorially speaking. Ah, uh, this, I showed my hand early by it, <laughs> forgetting the difference between an ascot and a cravat, which and, I know we've had explained to us by the listeners. Yes, by one of the listeners. Yes. As you were saying that, I knew instantly who you were talking about, and we have the same sartorially speaking choice (laughs) and it is a very minor panel 
you said I think we've been doing this too long. <laughs> but yeah, there is a panel. And this was actually, it should have been in my running for favorite panel. Everyone is freaked out at the fight between the Hulk and Thor. And there's a construction worker. How would you describe this construction worker? Horrified. He is horrified. How would you describe his general aesthetic? Weird and dapper. Yeah. He's, I mean, we can't see a ton of him. He's got a muscle shirt. But in the corner, the quarter of a shoulder that we can see, he's wearing some kind of a tank top. He's wearing a red checked cravat. He has a pencil thin mustache. And I call him a construction worker, but it really looks more like a World War One helmet. No, I, uh, I recognize this type of construction worker helmet that he's got. Yeah? From a National Geographic magazine that was talking about steel workers that I read when I was a kid. Oh. Yeah. And when they, was it from? Uh, 80s. So or, or it might have been 70s. Yeah. Like it was an old National Geographic, but they had these hats that were like these steel World War II looking. Yeah, it looks like the Golden Age Flashes helmet. They're really cool. This one had like a the the part of the Union thing that he was part of, like a little like an emblem stamped into it. It was a totally badass helmet, and then that's what nice reminded me of this this dude. Yeah, but it's it's a crazy look. Like the pencil thin mustache and the cravat. It's such a specific choice to make for a construction worker. I have theories about this guy. I created a little backstory for him. What do you think his deal is? I think he's just one of those dudes. He gives so little fucks about what other people think. He can pull it off. Yeah. It's a good look and he does pull it off. My suspicion, I think it's an undercover boss situation. He's overcompensating. No, where he's just like, uh, he's like, he really owns the company, but nobody that works for it, he's going undercover as a construction worker. And he's like, how do they dress? It's like this, right? But, but he doesn't want to shave his mustache. Did I do so. this right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a terrible disguise. It's a businessman mustache. It's it's defi- It's a businessman mustache. It's a very dapper mustache. That I mean, I'm not saying construction workers can't be dapper. And maybe that is what's going on. But my other guess was that he was... He's an actor who's filming a cologne ad. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's like a cologne advertisement actor's version of a construction oh, worker. Oh, shit. That is a funny observation. So I think it's either that or an undercover boss situation. But either way, that dude's rad. Yep. Yeah, I like that we have the same choice. There you go. Who was your sucker? I had a couple. It came down to two characters. I think you actually were able to explain Namor's away a little bit. Because Namor admitting unprompted that he was frightened struck me as very out of character for him. I decided to go with something even more out of character. Hmm. I don't think it necessarily furthered the plot, but it w- it definitely took me aback and made me be like, wait, what? The Hulk hands over the evil eye fragment that he has been wrestling Thor with for over an hour. He's not happy about it, but he hands it over to Doctor Strange. Now, that is surprising, and that is a little bit out of character for the Hulk. What was more surprising and floored me was Doctor Strange saying, Thank you, Hulk. (laughs) I read that and I was like, what? Is that a scrawl masquerading as Doctor Strange? Clearly someone has invaded the Defenders and assumed Doctor Strange's likeness. That's funny. I did did actually notice that too. And I thought it was just he had a rare moment of realizing the gravity of just how weird it was that Hulk went from being, you know, total, like, red zone, like, smash, destroy everything, to, like, then there's some random stranger insults him, calls him lettuce head or something. <laughs> and then he's like, okay, whatever, here's the flashlight. He does smash a whole street first. And also, he's probably a little bit tired. So mine was that he the handed Hulk. it over yeah. to Doctor Strange. Okay. That seemed... I think that it... I'm not saying that's not out of character. I don't think it's as out of character as Doctor Strange saying, thank you, Hulk. Unless he said it like, oh, thank you, Hulk. I don't think he did. I don't either. Which is why it's weird. Yeah, no, no. Doc Strange was okay this issue, I think. he. Yes, which is very out of character. Yeah, no, good point. Okay. All right. So, now we get to best defender, worst defender. Best defender. Who was it? Oh, this one was easy for me. Yeah? I had Namor the Peace Broker. Ah, I had a tie between Namor and Hulk. 
Yeah. Just, I loved them both so much. Um, I, I think I'm, the edge for me is going with Hulk. Just, uh, I, I know he didn't maybe technically do the best job, but he was so Hulk. He was so Hulk, that is true. But and, and without, he, without Namor, these guys would still be beating each other up. Or maybe just sitting there. Or just there standing and, totally yeah. still. Yeah. I know that the crowd had gathered around them. I was amazed that there was still a crowd by the time the Avengers and Defenders showed up. Because that is a boring-ass fight. I think it's like... You remember when you are a kid, the first time you saw MTV like at a friend's house or something? Yeah. And you're like, oh, wow, this is so exciting. Mm, that song wasn't great. Next song wasn't great. But like, you keep thinking like something Any awesome Any second now, something happen. awesome's going to happen. And next thing you know, it's been like several hours. I guess. I mean... Maybe it was like that. I watched some MMA with you that one time. <laughs> and that was what it felt like to me. And that was not an hour of them just locked in. No, thing, but it was, was things there, happening all the time. Some things happened, but it was there was a lot of what just looked like them hugging each other for long extended periods of uh, time yeah, that were super boring. The grappling bits are boring. To and if there was an hour, if those matches lasted an hour and it was just them grappling, I I would I would have not been down. Not for your that. thing. Yeah. yeah, it already wasn't my thing, and it was them doing it for like two minutes. I got bored. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't like watching the actual competitions. No, no. And I wouldn't like it for sure if it took an hour of them literally not moving at all. Yep. You know, you know what I remember about that show, though? Hmm. Somebody was coming down to the ring, or Octagon, mm -hmm. and they had on a t-shirt that it turns out said huge, but it was the old gothic font that they all have for those shirts. Mm -hmm. And I thought it said hugs. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like... Dude, that guy's my favorite guy. Because he's just like, I like hugs. That's what I do. That's how I fight. I'm about hugs. That's maybe one of the the only... I couldn't really ever see myself wearing Affliction or Ed Hardy oh, or any man. of those things. Really? But if it said hugs... <laughs> if it just said hugs yeah. in a gothic scrawl... Maybe I could pull that off. I think that would be pretty dope. Yeah. We gotta make some hugs t-shirts. Yeah. Just like... And not like asking for hugs. But just... A general statement in appreciation of hugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, like, tough looking. Yeah. Oh, the toughest. Yeah. Because what's tougher than being confident enough and secure in yourself that you can acknowledge that hugs are the best? Nothing. Exactly. Speaking of things we don't like, who is your worst offender? Boy. Not hard. Not hard. I will say... The most important thing that everybody did badly was just letting the Hulk and Thor fight each other and not get him over there for it. But that is an everybody way tie with the exception of Namor, who didn't know what was going on at the time, mm -hmm. and the Hulk, who was fighting Thor. So, it's fucking Hawkeye. Ty always goes to the Archer. It's always Hawkeye. He's a dick. What? Everybody else is apologizing, and he's... I don't know what it is about him. It's, what is it there's, about Archers? There's, there's nothing likable about him. Not in this depiction. I really like the character, but, like, in general. But as he is written here, he's just awful. He he had that, like, in these comic books, he had that one moment where he made a joke that was, like, six fiend, mm -hmm. which was kind of funny. Mm -hmm. Other than that, just an arrogant, insecure jerk who keeps sexually harassing people. No, he, he does a bad job. I think if there really were, like, superhero teams and stuff, though, that would totally be, like, one of the archetypes. Oh, of, yeah. Like, the, yeah. the one, you know, moderately powered jerk. Yeah, who... <laughs> That's insecure and... Is... Well, and I think I brought this up on a previous synopsis, like, when I was talking about, like, what is it about archers? But, like, yeah, group of super-powered people, the dude hanging out with them who doesn't have superpowers but sees himself as an alpha male and has chosen as his weapon of choice the most phallic-looking weapons he can find, mm. then is an asshole and, and kind of, like, sexually harasses people. Kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. Makes me want to reread, like, because I remember the Green Arrow being, like, my favorite dude for a really long time. I gotta reread that shit, or maybe I shouldn't. Yeah, I don't know. I I know he is kind of also, I think, written as hypersexualized kind of too. Yeah, the is it the Mike Grell run. The longbow hunters. Yeah, really seemed very mature to me as a young Oh yes. person, but also quite titillating. Oh yes. Yeah, you had Hawkeye too, obviously, because yep. he's the worst. There's another example of him being terrible is in the group shot where they're all having their little cocktail party at Doc Strange's house. 
you see everybody else engaging with each other in a, a fairly like friendlyish way, and then his conversation with Iron Man is clearly like he just looks like he's sulking. Mm-hmm. It's a very well drawn characterization of Hawkeye, and I enjoyed that. Yeah, I had I had thought that this was the last issue of the Avengers Defenders War. Obviously, it is not. The final issue is coming up in two weeks. And some shit is going to go down. Oh, man, I'm super excited for it. It does a really nice job of getting you stoked to see the Avengers and Defenders team up finally. Dormammu's big, flamey, goofy-looking Ski mask-looking head. Yep. It's going to get so punched. Yep. Yeah, well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a real treat. I hope for you as well. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can do so at ttwasteland at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook or iTunes or Tumblr, Twitter, where we are at ttwasteland underscore. Yeah, we're all over the internet. Look us up and we love to hear from you. So we got a nice review. Thank you. Oh, yeah, we, we've got a couple, but we, yeah, we, we specifically got a very nice iTunes review recently. I also got a very nice, uh, somebody made a picture of me as Aqualad with Beaky, who is wearing a diving helmet in it, which is awesome. You really captured my sea strength and limbs. <laughs> and thank you for that. Yeah, we will be back in two weeks with the conclusion of the Avengers Defenders War, and we will be back next week with Teen Titans number 15, when we will find out what the fuck is going on in Zandia, I hope. Maybe. By my whole dad. Enjoy. Enjoy. And they knew it. That's nasty! Uh.